This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It actually makes me sick to my stomach. The calls for accountability after two bodies were found during the demolition of a gutted Vancouver hotel. Plus... Uh, the family's obviously very disappointed, um, obviously very shocked when they first heard that news. More fallout after a BCHL color commentator is barred from broadcast after making a racist comment about a young player. And It does affect us, it affects our ability to provide service to uh, residents of the city. The systemic struggle sparking a spike in unanswered calls to police. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A small memorial is growing at the site of the Winters Hotel in Gastown after news spread of a double tragedy. The single-room occupancy hotel and heritage building burned down nearly two weeks ago, but many people's worst fears were only confirmed yesterday as the structure was being torn down. Kamil Kermali has our top story. A heartbreaking loss for Candace McLaurin. It actually makes me sick to my stomach. Losing her home when a fire tore through the Winters Hotel on April 11th. And now she's just learned she's also lost a friend. Residents identifying her as Mary Garlow. She died in the blaze. Oh, she's just a sweet, kind, quiet woman. Her body pulled from the rubble Friday morning after crews had begun demolishing the century-old heritage building. A second body was discovered later that afternoon. Residents say he was a young man in his 20s, not known to them. It was a bit of a surprise. Um, we're pretty confident that it's not a tenant. Tenants do have guests. Just three days before the devastating blaze, another fire had set off the sprinkler system. Fire crews had turned off the sprinklers temporarily so it could be serviced. The building was put under a fire watch, which meant it should have been under constant surveillance. Tenants say it wasn't. We didn't see a single security guard with an air horn in there. The staff weren't walking around doing fire watch rounds. But Vancouver Fire Rescue Services disputes that, saying based on their preliminary investigation, a fire watch was in place, although tenants say even if it was, it was clearly not effective. Now, many of the more than 70 tenants displaced staying here at the nearby Columbia Hotel, rising up from the debris, trying to build their lives back up again. Jen Hansma's cat is still missing. I don't get the body to bury. I don't get to say my final goodbyes. And it hurts. These former tenants say they've been left high and dry. I'm lacking on like clothes, toiletries. There's one shower for like per floor and that's, that's worse than winters. A lot of questions but few answers, including whether more bodies will be found. Demolition is set to resume Monday. Kamal Karamali, Global News. 
B.C. hockey fans watching a game last night between the Port Alberni Bulldogs and the Langley Rivermen were suddenly shocked by some racist on-air comments. They were made about a Rivermen player and led to a color commentator being fired. Paul Johnson reports. That's I barely a- saw it as I was watching the puck. Second period playoff action between the Alberni Valley Bulldogs and the Langley Rivermen. While the Bulldogs won, this game will be known for this. Does he speak English? Maybe that's the problem. That was longtime Bulldogs color commentator Bruce McDonald talking about Rivermen forward Owen Kim, who neither struggles with English nor deserves to be ridiculed because of his race. The other announcer caught it immediately. Okay, come on. That's too far. Oh, well, that's no, wrong. that's too that's far. That's wrong. That's too far. McDonald was kicked out of the broadcast booth before the start of the third period and by Saturday morning was permanently dropped as commentator for the BC Hockey League. Tally Campbell is the general manager for the league's Coquitlam Express team and had previously tried to recruit Owen Kim. He spoke to the family Friday night. The family's obviously very disappointed, um, obviously very shocked when they first heard that news. Campbell also knows McDonald, who he says had previously enjoyed a good reputation as a volunteer in Port Alberni, and says for anyone who wants to make light of this as a mistaken attempt at edgy improvisation, consider the role the league has with young men. We're in a league of junior hockey players. They're 16 to 20 years old. Um, our job is to help shape them to be great individuals and great role models. A player in our league, a, a kid that just turned 17 years old, should not be subjected to language like that and treatment like that, whether it's on the ice or or off the ice. As for McDonald, Global News couldn't reach him Saturday, but he did issue an apology on Twitter that read in part, no one should be made to feel that way, and I take full responsibility for my racist words. I'm deeply sorry for the hurt that I've caused Owen Kim, his family, and everyone else who was affected by what I said. Paul Johnson, Global News. A man from Yaletown alleges he was assaulted by a food delivery person on an e-bike this week. Trevor Kramer says he was walking on Mainland Street Thursday afternoon when he had to move out of his way for a delivery person riding a motorized bike on the sidewalk. He told the cyclist he shouldn't be riding his bike on the sidewalk. The man then stopped and asked Kramer to repeat himself. When he said it again, he alleges the man came up to his face and shoved him. Kramer snapped a photo as the man rode away. He says there are too many people breaking city bylaws and riding e-bikes and e-scooters on the sidewalk and that the city, police and food delivery apps need to take action. I've seen many, many close calls of of e-scooters and bicycles um, almost hitting pedestrians. I've had that happen to me many times as well, uh, not only in Yaletown, but all over downtown. These vehicles are capable of pretty high speeds, and the sidewalks are not intended to be pathways for, for fast motorized vehicles, people coming out of stores, out of cars, and so on. And these guys are just zipping around like, it's, uh, like there are no pedestrians. A VPD spokesperson says they are investigating the allegations. And an Uber spokesperson issuing a statement today saying, we did not tolerate the violence on the Uber platform and the delivery person's reported actions are unacceptable. He no longer has access to the Uber app and we are standing ready to assist law enforcement with their investigation. 
Prince George RCMP are releasing surveillance images as they investigate two fires on the same morning this week. The first fire broke out in a home on Quincy Street around 4 a.m. Monday. Minutes later, a business in the 1100 block of 3rd Avenue erupted in flames. Fire investigators determined arson was to blame and police are following leads on potential suspects. Surveillance video obtained by CKPG News shows a suspect carrying a jerry can as they walk down the sidewalk moments before the business caught fire. RCMP have also released a photo of a full-size two-tone pickup truck seen driving along 3rd Avenue at the time of the fire. We're currently looking for one suspect who's wearing a pair of very distinctive pants. We are also looking to speak with the driver of a truck who drove past the scene just as the fire was starting. Um, we believe that the driver of the truck may have seen something, or we're hoping that the driver of the truck may have seen something um, that would aid in our investigation. Fortunately, no one was hurt in either fire. RCMP on Vancouver Island are investigating an increase in the passing of counterfeit bills. Since January 1st, Campbell River RCMP have received 23 reports of counterfeit currency, while 20 other reports have come into police in communities north of Nanaimo. Most involve $50 and $100 bills like this one, and police say fraudsters are taking advantage of clerks who don't know how to identify the fake money. Modern Canadian bills are made from polymer, not paper. They even have edge cuts and holograms of the Prime Minister and Parliament clock tower embedded in the clear polymer. The edges around the maple leaf are also transparent. And another warning, this time from Port Moody Police, about the resurfacing of a well-known scam that nearly cost a local senior citizen thousands of dollars. On Thursday, someone called the man and claimed a family member was in custody and in need of bail money. He withdrew $12,000 from his bank account, but grew concerned and contacted police. This elderly gentleman did the right thing by calling us and... Uh, Thankfully, he did not become the victim of this very well-known fraud, um, and he, it's a good ending to this story. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are victims of these frauds and other types of frauds and often don't report it to us, and we, we always encourage folks to contact us if they uh, believe they're about to be scammed or they may have already been scammed. Please do contact your local police department. Two save old growth activists are facing criminal charges after a highway protest on Vancouver Island earlier this week. On Wednesday, a handful of protesters sat on the road blocking afternoon rush hour traffic northbound on the Trans-Canada Highway near Langford. West Shore RCMP arrested a man and woman from Victoria who had attached themselves to a large metal barrel filled with concrete. It took about four hours to safely remove them from the barrel. Frustrated motorists also took matters into their own hands before police arrived at the scene. 33-year-old Derek Hugh Menard and 23-year-old Elizabeth Helen Stewart are both charged with intimidation and mischief. RCMP say illegal protests will not be tolerated. On this day after Earth Day, some youth environmental activists held a rally in East Vancouver. Members of the Socialist Alternative Youth joined other groups in demonstrating at Grandview Park today. They want to highlight the impact climate change is having on everyone's lives, and they feel young people have an important stake in the conversation now more than ever.
We've seen even the climate strikes in 2019 that was largely uh, hosted by youth, um, and they're energized. They're for young people and even younger than myself. We've seen nothing but catastrophe and crisis after crisis, um, and so so we know that this system isn't working for us. And it isn't working for anybody. It's working for a very small few, and we want to change that. Coming up, emergency calls going nowhere. Either people just hung up because they got frustrated or they went unanswered. The systemic problems behind a significant spike in abandoned calls to police. Plus, how Toronto is remembering the victims of the country's deadliest vehicle attack four years later. As Vancouver City Council prepares to host a public safety forum next week, police are concerned about a soaring number of abandoned calls to their non-emergency line, which is managed by Ecom. As Kristen Robinson reports, callers who hold on are often waiting up to two hours to report non-urgent crimes. Unwanted graffiti, mischief and vandalism. Just a few of the crimes callers are giving up trying to report in Vancouver. Either people just hung up because they got frustrated or it went unanswered. In the first three months of this year, the number of abandoned calls to the VPD's non-emergency line increased by almost 41% over the same period in 2021. From January to March last year, 13,000 or nearly 25% of non-emergency calls were abandoned. This year, that number rose to 40% or 18,000 plus calls. Unfortunately, there are some systemic problems um, occurring at ECOM. It's unacceptable by any standard. Data from last year, even more shocking, says Vancouver's top cop. 88,000 abandoned calls in 2021 to VPD and non-emergency. Not all of those are crimes, but when police are not getting calls, they can't investigate. These are crimes, for example, a theft um, that may have DNA at the scene. That's DNA that we couldn't collect to investigate the crime. Unreported incidents also lead to underreporting in crime stats. But on the property crimes, it's artificially low because 88,000 times last year, people could not get through to the police. Ecom says it's understaffed and underfunded amid higher than ever service demands. The issues, along with unprecedented pressures from COVID and more natural disasters, are contributing to extended wait times on police non-emergency lines, sometimes in excess of 120 minutes. We're working on it, but that's not VPD answering the call when you phone us. It's Ecom, and they need to do better. Ecom now looking at new call handling models and innovative ways to recruit and retain staff while addressing longer-term funding requirements. Kristen Robinson, Global News. North Shore Rescue is celebrating one of its founding members today. Carl was a founding and life member of North Shore Rescue. Hundreds of people turned out to celebrate the life of Carl Winter. Winter died on New Year's Eve at the age of 82, but his celebration of life was delayed because of COVID-19. In 1965, the city of North Vancouver put out a call for volunteers to react to emergencies in the municipality. Winter jumped at the chance, soon forming the group that would become North Shore Rescue. Since then, Winter was instrumental in instilling a professional rigor in the team, refining training methods and deploying new technology to rescue people lost in the mountains. He started in 1965. He dedicated over half a century to North Shore Rescue and he was active on our team 
till the day he passed. Like he was at events, he was helping build helipads and SAR stations. One of the strongest bonds, in my view, is the bond you have with a person with whom you're sharing a terrifyingly dangerous moment, and you don't really know that you're going to both be alive after this moment passes. I just knew he was doing his thing, and, and it really made a difference to me to know that he was doing things that he loved to do and made a difference in people's lives. Coming up, we have the latest from Ukraine as Russian forces attempt to storm a steel plant sheltering soldiers and civilians. And how this Chinese-Canadian man's solo show of solidarity for Ukrainians hits close to home. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Tomorrow marks the two-month anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and with a renewed offensive in the southern part of the country, an end doesn't appear near. However, perhaps there is some hope on the horizon as top leaders from the U.S. are visiting Ukraine Sunday, and others from the United Nations are scheduled to meet with leaders from both countries on Tuesday. Global's Mike Drolet has the latest. Russia is paying a steep price for its invasion, Ukrainian leaders say, with over 3,000 armored vehicles lost. Many, they claim, were abandoned after running out of gas, allowing farmers to drag them away. The price for Ukraine is incalculable. In the southern city of Mariupol, a few brave residents were seen assessing what was left of their homes. Russia says the strategically important port city has fallen thanks to its Muslim Chechen fighters, who shared this video of their celebration. But gunfire can be heard coming from a steel complex, where members of the Azov Battalion are still holed up. They're the group Russia accuses of being a neo-Nazi organization, an allegation they say is Russian propaganda. Ukrainian leaders now say the Russians have reneged on opening an evacuation corridor Saturday, leading President Volodymyr Zelensky to say if civilians are killed by Russian forces, Ukraine will stop negotiating. Meanwhile, Russia's stated plan to take full control of southern Ukraine is in full swing. He lost the main battle in this war, the battle for Kiev. So now he's shifted. Missile strikes have hit Odessa apartment buildings, killing at least five people as the war enters its third month. Microlight, Global News, Toronto. A Lower Mainland resident who immigrated from Hong Kong more than 20 years ago is supporting Ukrainians in a way he says he'd be barred from doing in his homeland. In Hong Kong, we also cannot do that. Standing on a bench near a busy New Westminster intersection holding a Ukrainian flag, the man waves and salutes to anyone driving by and honking in support of his effort to stand with those fighting for democracy in the war-torn country. It's something he says he's all too familiar with through China's own clampdown on democracy and the passing of a controversial national security law in 2020. I'm from Hong Kong. I feel that my own land you suffer. Actually, we, several years ago, go, three years ago, actually, we, we are the front line, line to fight for the democracy. 
The man says he's been taking his solo show of solidarity to new locations across the region every day. He didn't want to give us his name or show his full face out of fear of repercussions from the Chinese government. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is one of five winners of the prestigious John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage Award. The annual award looks towards those who risk their careers by embracing unpopular positions for the greater good. The John F. Kennedy Foundation says Zelensky has shown patriotism and untiring sacrifice of the Ukrainian people. Four other U.S. officials, including Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney, were recognized. In health matters, health officials in the U.S. are working to expand availability of the COVID-19 antiviral treatment Paxlovid. But the same can't be said for here in Canada. American authorities say the drug is in ample supply there and no longer needs to be rationed. Health Canada has authorized the use of Paxlovid back in January, but supplies of the drug in this country have been limited due to distribution and eligibility issues. The provincial government has approved the business plan for an upcoming health care centre for children and youth with extraordinary care needs. The Vancouver facility will be for patients aged 19 or younger with complex health conditions and who struggle to perform routine tasks without assistance. The aim is to help families find the services they need in a central location and train them to support children with complex needs at home. The centre will provide services to address the changing and ongoing needs of these children, as well as their families and caregivers. We know to be fully supported, families also need culturally and trauma-informed care. And I am thrilled that this centre is putting that front and centre as well. Construction is expected to begin in 2025 and be completed in 2028. A 74-space child care centre will also be built on the site. And still ahead, a community cleanup more than five months in the making. It's really important to be able to give back to the community and get out here and, and help. It could be us next time. How volunteers are coming together to help flood victims still reeling from the November floods. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. In flood-devastated Merritt, volunteers came out in force today, donating their time to help flood victims clean up their properties. Global's Darian Matassa-Fung has the story. It's Neighbours Helping Neighbours Day in Merritt as volunteers offered up their time helping other Merritt residents with flood recovery cleanup efforts. We've organized a Neighbours Helping Neighbours community event where people that haven't been impacted by the flooding get to help the people that are still struggling with their recovery. So we have about 120 volunteers from the community uh, out working and helping people get their yards and gardens cleaned up. Part of the volunteer effort is Team Rubicon, a veteran-led group that focuses on disaster recovery for Canadian communities. It means a lot to us. I'm a BC resident um, and having all these events going on in our backyard, it, it's really important to be able to give back to the community and get out here and, and help. It could be us next time. Volunteers were hard at work removing dirt and mud that had solidified over the winter. Community members of all ages showing up for the task. Going on behind me is merit at work, which means people pitch in and help one another. 
all the time. Joanne Irvine, whose home lies a mere 50 feet from the Coldwater River, says she was emotional when the volunteers showed up. It makes me feel incredibly grateful. In fact, when they showed up, I cried. Uh, it's a little bit devastating for people. You don't know where to start because the job is so big. And when the people show up, and don't just show up, they show up with tremendously positive attitudes. Uh, and the only way to describe it is blessing. The City of Merritt also hosted a thank you barbecue for the volunteers and residents at Rotary Park following the cleanup. Darian Matasafung, Global News, Merritt. Well, it is yet another sign of a return to normal. Dragon boaters from across the south coast were back on the water today for the one of the first races of the season. More than 30 teams were at Rocky Point Park in Port Moody for today's regatta. It's the first one since the 2020 and 2021 seasons were cancelled because of the pandemic. And it's more than just the races. Fans got to enjoy some live entertainment and a beer garden. Organizer Brian Kenny says it's been great to see so many faces, familiar or not. I never thought I'd love the water as much as I do, because in a dragon boat you're around 20 people that become fast friends. And you don't get to see your friends for two years, it's not easy. To plan this uh, regatta is like planning a marriage. We've got 33 teams, it's like 33 brides and grooms. That's how we look at it. We want a party. Great to see that back in action. Yvonne, great to see you too. Nice I wasn't to here see last you. weekend. I know. Welcome back. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, what are we looking at weather-wise? It seems like a bit of a mixed bag again. Yes, and it really depends on where you are across the province. Northern half, we've been tracking wet weather, but we've had a nice break along the south coast of Metro Vancouver for the day today, rather. We'll put that into play. Temperatures are sitting at 13 degrees. We've got a southerly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. Highs today bumping up to 15. Average for this time of the year sits at 14. And a record on this day, 20 degrees. That was set back in 1977. I got a little kicker here. I just got to move a box that's in the way, so don't mind the noise. I'm fine. I'll look at some of the numbers today. 11 the high for Whistler, or some of the current temperatures, rather. It's been mild. Check out Kamloops with current temperatures sitting at 20 degrees. Revelstoke at 17. Golden at 14 in areas near Terrace Inland with the current temperature at 6. Now, the plan for Metro Vancouver as we get in this evening will still see dry conditions. Temperatures will dip down to 4. We'll have a nice bright start to the morning. Change on the way, however. As we get in towards the afternoon, we are looking at an increase in cloud cover. It'll be a chance of showers and some of the heavier rainfall is going to start to push in towards the evening. All courtesy of this next weather maker, it's been bringing rainfall along the north and central coast. Even the northern and central regions of the island have been tracking that rainfall through the day today. It'll intensify, though, through the day. We'll likely see some of the heavier rainfall, though, for Metro Vancouver as we get in towards the evening. And then it continues for our Monday. Soggy on Monday and precipitation moving in for the southern interior by Monday afternoon. Now, the northern half of the province, rainfall inland tomorrow with a bit of instability, even that risk of a thunderstorm. Much of the central interior will be seeing on and off showers. Temperatures will be sitting at 14 as the high. The northeastern corners, more cloud cover through the day with also a few showers and highs up to 14 degrees. Now, areas towards the south, it'll be pleasant tomorrow. We do have a fair bit of sunshine. Increase in cloud cover, and then the moisture is going to move in. It'll be a chance of showers, and that'll be for Monday. But through the day tomorrow, low 20s for Kamloops, even getting up to 21 degrees. Whistler will see that chance of showers through the afternoon. Hope tomorrow it'll be an increase in cloud cover by the evening. 
Heaviest precipitation, though, for the northern and central regions of the island and right along the Sunshine Coast. Victoria could be dry throughout much of the day tomorrow, just with an increase in cloud cover, and highs will be up to 14 degrees. Now, Metro Vancouver, overnight tonight, we're down to 4, 15 as the high for tomorrow. It showers as we get in through the afternoon. We still have that nice bright start to the morning, so if you're planning on heading out early, be prepared, though, by the evening hours. That's when the rainfall is going to move in. Soggy so far will be for Monday, Tuesday, and then rebounding once again on our Wednesday again. Nikki. All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Now to a strange story out of Florida. Authorities there are accusing a bride and her caterer for making wedding guests sick by allegedly secretly spiking the food with marijuana. The evening started with cheers and tears of joy. But soon after enjoying dinner, authorities say guests at this Florida wedding began feeling ill and high. The February gathering quickly taking a nightmarish turn. I feel like there's some kind of drugs in me or something, and I don't know what's happening. Investigators say the food, including the lasagna, was laced with marijuana, and the guests didn't know it. We all have been affected somehow okay. by what was put in the food. Right and groom. The Seminole County Sheriff's Office confronted the newly married couple that night about their guests, many of whom became very ill and required medical attention. You're right and groom? Yes, sir. Okay, a couple questions for you. Yes, sir. Apparently, supposedly, your food had cannabis inside of it when your guests eat it. Did you guys authorize that? I have no idea. Investigators tested the food and found THC, now blaming the bride and caterer for the weed-laced wedding. Daniel Svoboda and Jocelyn Bryant were charged with culpable negligence, delivery of marijuana, and violating Florida's anti-tampering act. I think people just want an explanation. Miranda Cady among the frustrated attendees. You have to respect other people's free will and boundaries and option to have a choice in something like that. The fiasco in Florida comes as more states are legalizing weed. Grown in the garden state. Excitement in New Jersey Thursday seen in long lines wrapping around its first recreational marijuana businesses. But some health experts caution the wedding chaos that landed several guests in the hospital should serve as a reminder of the very real risks. Wow. Okay, that's a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting they got the reaction right on camera there. That's always good. All right, Barry's here for a preview of what is coming up in sports. What do you have for us today, Barry? Well, of course, the Canucks are uh, kind of a bit on life support for their playoff chances. They're, uh, they got to win pretty much out and then get a lot of help. It hasn't uh, helped that they've lost their last two, but we will hear from them. They're still pretty upbeat considering the circumstances. And uh, the Whitecaps, while their fans probably aren't very upbeat right now, another uh, Tough day at the office. They're down 2-0 at the half in Austin, so we'll show you what's happened uh, so far. But, man, the Whitecaps really, really struggling this year, and it's uh, not getting any better. Yikes. Okay, thanks for that, Barry. Also coming up tonight on the News Hour, a somber ceremony in Toronto. As long as we live, they too will live, for they are now part of us as we remember them. How residents are marking four years since the deadliest vehicle rampage in the country's history. Stay with us. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team. And let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. A tragic milestone today. It has been four years since a van attack in Toronto claimed nearly a dozen lives. Global's Amar Khan has more on the vigil. 
It's Renuka Amarasing. Andrea Nephelic Braden. Gone, but never forgotten. It's been four years and the cloud of the April 23rd incident continues to hang over the city of Toronto. At today's vigil, the names of the 11 people killed in the Toronto van attack were read aloud. Anne-Marie D'Amico. It's become an annual tradition to honor those who lost their lives. We connect to proclaim that darkness, hatred, and violence, especially violence against women, is not welcomed in our community and in our world. The Toronto van attack carried out by Alec Manassian left 11 people dead and another 15 injured. It remains Canada's deadliest vehicle rampage in history, with the aftermath still etched in some people's minds. As long as we live, they too will live, for they are now part of us as we remember them. Toronto Mayor John Tory says the city needs to remember the severity and reasoning behind the attack. We want to continue to memorialize this occasion on this day so that we never forget. Uh, you know, what was at the root cause of what happened here. Omar Hassan is a member of the Young Street Tragedy Commemoration Group. He says while COVID-19 limited their plans, they're hoping to host a big gathering next year to let the community heal alongside one another. I think it speaks volumes how regardless of people's lived experiences, they're able to come here and share the space and to care and to love and to, you know, just be with one another. The group plans to install a permanent monument next year when the community can safely gather to remember the victims of this tragedy. Amar Khan, Global News. And Barry's back with the full sports cast after this break. And later, record-breaking snowfall and speeding drivers isn't just a dangerous mix for motorists in Prince George, how it's also contributing to the deaths of birds. Attention consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Get your body moving this May. BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer challenges British Columbians to move every day in May while raising vital funds in support of British Columbians facing cancer. Register today as an individual or team at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Don't miss the incredible opportunity to see Elton John on his final tour. With shows now both on October 21st and 22nd, catch the iconic performer playing a spectacular stadium show at BC Place for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Our BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. All right, Barry's back with the full sports cast and the odds of the Canucks making it to the playoffs, Barry. Mm -hmm, the odds, whatever less than one is. <laughs> in there. It's not great, but hey, there's, there's always a chance, right? Thanks, Neetu. Uh, even if the Canucks lose tonight in Calgary, they cannot officially be eliminated from the playoffs, but if they can upset the Flames, get a little help with other teams losing, the Canucks will go into the final week with a little more hope. Let's face it, it's really unlikely they get in, but this team has shown tremendous fight and determination, and Bruce Boudreaux expects to see a lot more of that tonight in Calgary. We know that uh, we, the scenarios that uh, can happen and we might need some help, but at the same time, uh, if we're going to get eliminated, we want somebody to eliminate us. We don't want to eliminate ourselves. I mean, all we have to do tonight is win.
if we win, then we're playing Tuesday. I think we're still alive, you know? It, uh, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's the way we look at it and we don't want to change anything. Our, our structure and everything else has been when it's done right has been pretty successful for us. I think these are the games that you're looking forward to playing to. It's like a game seven. It's uh, every game, every shift, every play matters. Um, and from here on out, it's uh, trying to make the most of something that looks uh, pretty impossible. So I think it's it's something the boys are excited to try to go through. And, you know, we know some things have to fall in place for us, but um, the most we can do now is just go out and try to win as many games. Canucks looking for some help from the Kraken, who are in Dallas tonight. Stars lead the Canucks by four points and have lost three in a row. Dallas had a goal called back for goalie interference. And then the Kraken score Riley Shea on the rebound. one nothing Seattle. Kraken have played well recently. They've won three of four. And then later in the first, a couple of former Canucks, Cole Lind and Derek Pouliot, with the assists on this goal by Yanni Gord. 2 nothing Kraken after one. But the Stars rally in the second now 2-1. Rupe hints with the great move, scores his 36th, and since then, they've scored another. So Dallas now leads 3-2 late in the second over Seattle. Also tonight, Leafs and Panthers, Austin Matthews back in the lineup after missing a couple with a minor injury. First period already, 1-0 Leafs. They add to the lead. Justin Hall's shot goes in off of Florida defenseman Radko Gudas. Just Hall's third of the year, but the Leafs lead 2-0. Now, they blew a 5-1 lead in Florida earlier this month, losing 7-6. And on cue, Claude Giroux with the screen, uh, screen blast on the power play. 2-2 right now, and they are in overtime. WHL playoffs last night. Vancouver Giants with a huge upset in Everett against the number one seed Silver Tips. Giants came back from a 4-2 deficit. Alex Cotton rips it top shelf to force OT. Excuse me, and then Adam Hall with his hat trick goal in overtime. The eight seed Giants with a massive upset, five four in game one, but they are down two nothing in the first in game two tonight. The Whitecaps need to get something out of their match tonight in Austin. Vancouver has struggled out of the gate this season. Just one win and one draw through seven matches. They are second last in the West. They need to stop the bleeding, get a result tonight, and start getting some traction, or this season could turn into a real disaster. Austin off to a strong start, second in the West. So another tough test tonight. Much sharper start for Vancouver. Uh, Brian White with the header, but could not get the power on it he wanted. But then a giveaway, Marcus Godinho under pressure. Austin on the attack, it's Max Yarudi who will finish past Thomas Assault, one nothing Austin, and again the Whitecaps are chasing the game. And later in the half, Austin again, and it's Max Rudy again, turns and fires to the far post, 2-0, and that's the score right now. Austin uh, really dominating, and the Whitecaps' defense is horrendous, 2-0 right now, early second half. English Premiership, first place Man City, hosting ninth place Watford, and it was according to script, all Man City and all Gabriel Jesus, who uh, struck for four. Excellent cross by Kevin De Bruyne. That was the second for Jesus. He also scored on a penalty. And then he gets a, his fourth on another Man City attack. 5-1 the final. And Liverpool is uh, now four points back of Man City. Liverpool play Everton tomorrow. <coughs> Excuse me, NBA playoffs. 
Raptors needing a win to stay alive against the 76ers. Scotty Barnes named Rookie of the Year before the game. He did play after missing the last two with an ankle injury suffered in Game 1. And then, of course, wouldn't you know it, gets clipped here just to aggravate that ankle even more. But he stayed in, scored six points off the bench in 26 minutes. Pascal Siakam, after getting shut out in the second half of Game 3, delivered the goods today. Pascal with the drive in the basket had a career playoff high 34. And with Fred Van Vliet out with a hip pointer late in the first, again, the injuries killing the Raps. It was all on Pascal's shoulders, and he showed some grit. Great jump shot there. And then late fourth, getting double teamed, kicks it out to OG Ananobi, and he drills the three, and the Raptors stay alive. 110-102, game five, Monday in Philly. Also tonight, Steve Nash's Brooklyn Nets down 2-0 uh, to the Celtics. Game three in Brooklyn, but uh, Celtics in transition in the third. Jason Tatum throws it down for the dunk. Boston by eight. Celts defense strong again. Jalen Brown with the steal off Blake Griffin. Just walks in and throws down the dunk. Fourth quarter now in Boston with a nine-point lead as they look to go three up in the series. Blue Jays and Astros from Houston. Toronto's won three in a row on the road this week. Top of the first, the former Astro, George Springer, gives the Jays the early jump. Homers to right center is third of the year, and it's one-nothing Jays. Jump to the seventh, now it's tied at two, and Santiago Espinal has had a good year at the plate so far. These first few weeks does it again, a solo shot to left, and the Blue Jays are out front 3-2. Now bottom of the ninth, Astros threatening. Tying run on first. Aledmus Diaz with a rocket liner to first, but right to Vladdy Guerrero. Steps on first for the game-ending double play, and the Jays win again 3-2. They're now 10-5, first place in the American League East. PGA stop is New Orleans for the Zurich Classic, a team competition playing best ball today, so each player plays his own ball on the hole, and they take the best score. The team of Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley fired a 12-under 60 today. Cantley with a birdie there at 17, had seven birdies and an eagle. They lead at 29-under. That's a five-shot lead over second place. Formula One bringing it uh, in its first sprint race of the season in Italy. Max Verstappen overtaking series leader Charles Leclerc on the penultimate lap of the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix Sprint. Verstappen taking the checkered flag. He will start from the pole tomorrow. A uh, welcome place for Verstappen, who has not finished uh, two of the first three races, and he's 45 points behind Leclerc. Lewis Hamilton will start way back in 14th. And we'll finish with the World Under-18 Hockey Championships. From Germany, North fans Connor Bedard named team captain. Canada taking on the USA in their opener. Second period, Canada down, but Bedard with the steal, the ridiculous between-the-legs pass to set up Matthew Wood. A brilliant play by Bedard, and then he would score as well. Another fantastic snipe from the sharp angle. Cuts the American League to 4-3, but the USA pulled away in the third. Fourth goal of the game coming up for Isaac Howard. 8-3 the final, a tough assignment in Game 1 for the Canadian team that just got together a few days ago. Canada plays the host Germans on Sunday, and former Canucks assistant coach Nolan Baumgartner is Canada's head coach. And Neetu, that is it for sports. All right, Barry, thank you so much. And we'll be right back with how record snowfall and speeding drivers make a deadly mix for birds in Prince George. Stay with us. Canadians are making the shift to talk radio done different.
So come join the conversation. What do you need to share in the world? What do you need to get off your heart? It's The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Weeknights at 10 on 980 CKNW. The Salvation Army has been serving the downtown east side for more than 65 years. While the need continues to grow, they have a vision to meet the demand. Nine Stories of Hope will provide essential services to those in need. And revitalize the community. While many people associate the start of spring with the time of year robins start to appear. In the Prince George region, the migratory birds are known to make quick stops, but amid record-breaking snowfall this month, the birds have been landing in areas that are threatening their lives. Our report is from CKPG News. Robins are well-equipped to deal with winter weather. However, some of these migratory birds land on open roadways to avoid the record-breaking snow. They suddenly appear in huge numbers. You know, most of them are going to disperse out north, but they all get concentrated in this small area. Well, they land, they're tired, they seem to be terribly tame. They're just exhausted, poor things. They need some food, and damn it, you know, they've got snow here, which is getting in the way of the food. UMBC professor Dr. Ken Otter says the snow has blanketed the ground where they usually forage. Robins are going to congregate uh, and concentrate wherever there's open ground for them to forage. And right now, roadways are the main areas that are open. So they're, they're going to be out in sort of bare paths. Uh, they might be on the edges of the roads um, in order to be able to sort of find worms and things like that. This unusual behavior has some bird watchers concerned for the bird's safety, as speeding road traffic kills birds. If you've got little tiny feet, you don't really want to land in six inches of snow. So they land on a solid surface and the cars squish them. So slow down, guys. Birds don't seem to be able to compensate very well for uh, something coming at them much faster than, than what would normally be their predator response. The robins expect to start nesting in the next few weeks. In the meantime, some of the birds will continue to flock on clear roadways. Once the weather clears up enough that they're going to start to actually breed, and that's when you've got a, you know, bare open lawns where you get lots of worms and things like that that they can forage on. They'll start nesting, they'll get a bit more territorial and they'll disperse out in the landscape. There's a temptation to think, look, the birds are smart, they're going to fly away. Well, at certain times of year they're not smart and they don't fly away. They're tired, they're exhausted, they need food, so give them a break. Dave Branco, CKPG News. Wow, important mm. reminder. It, it is true. Usually the birds, at the last second, mm -hmm. they'll disperse. Especially mm -hmm. if you drive an electric vehicle. They're so quiet and hard yeah. to hear. So you've got to be careful. Yeah, the birds aren't ready for that. Exactly. No. Our thoughts are with everybody who's preparing for the Vancouver Sun Run, by the way. Tomorrow is the big 10K race starting at 9 a.m. And the mini race is at 8 a.m. So big question, Yvonne, is what is it going to be like weather-wise? Weather weather-wise, it's good. Yeah. Mother Nature, we've got dry conditions. It'll, especially, it'll be favorable, especially for the morning hours. We may have more cloud cover rolling in towards the afternoon with that chance of showers. But most people who are heading out for the Sun Run, good luck tomorrow morning. Looks to be dry. And then the wet weather is going to move in for our Monday. So we got lucky there. Nice. It'll be refreshing, I'm sure. Yes. Thanks so much for sharing some of your weekend with us all. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And Krista Dow will be here at 11.